I want to talk to you out of the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel, chapter 12. Book of Daniel, chapter 12. What a book of, that is. If I ever get feeling down, and I don't get down often, but once in a while, I, like our brother preached, uh, preached and taught so aptly today. Pastor Strange, by the way, has been teaching in our Sunday school class when he's not doing some preaching other places. I try to get him to come. Uh, I'm going to call him Mr. Bible. He just oozes, he oozes with the book. He has a tremendous sense of humor, phenomenal memory, kind man, real in his life, and has uh, been a representative of the Lord Jesus. He's much older than I am. He's 79 years old, so he's up there. I think he's 79. But uh, he's blessed my soul as a friend for many years. He's retired now, out of at least out of the senior pastorate of, of Winkler Road Baptist Church. But uh, I was looking forward to the day he retired so we could have him come down here and teach us for Sunday school class or preach for us or help us. What a blessing it is to be with our brother. Daniel chapter 12, I want to talk to you about the three purposes that God has for us, at least, at least three, there are more, but these are three purposes that God has for us. That's found in verse 10 of chapter 12, but I'm going to start up at verse 1. And at that time shall Michael, you know, Michael's a big shot. He's a cherubim. Uh, he's, he's a big shot. And that time Michael, angel Michael, shall stand up. The great prince will stand for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was. Never before or after. Since there was a nation, even to the same time, and at that time thy people, now some people believe that's talking to the Jews there, but I could be talking about all thy people, Christians and Jews, shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book, I, you have to be born again to be written in the book. So whether Jews or Gentiles, we're all the same under Christ now. Uh, even though eventually he picks up his dealings with Israel and uh, begins to fulfill the promises he gave way back to Abraham. That hadn't happened yet. And so everyone that is found written in the book, what book? And many of them that sleep, that's a temporary state, by the way, and the dust of the earth shall awake, some everlasting everlasting life, some the shame and everlasting contempt. This is a general resurrection statement and does not mean that it all happens at one time. It's just a general statement that it, those two things will happen. There are some time separates them. We learn those details in the New Testament. So the old is in the new explained, and more details are given in the new about the old. But this is Old Testament. And this was the revelation that they had. There will be a resurrection, both of the just and the unjust, as it were. Some will be resurrected everlasting life. Some are going to be resurrected to shame everlasting contempt. The Bible in the New Testament explains further about that. Verse 3, they that be wise. I have my notes here, true wisdoms, trusting Jesus and believing what he says. Who was the wise people? The people who believed the Bible. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, that's the stars and the sun and such. They that turn many to righteousness, God has a special place for those who are evangelistic. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Wow. 
You blessed people, I want you to be encouraged. But thou, go to verse 4, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end, that many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Human knowledge is doubling every 13 months. That's old information, by the way. That information goes back to about 2013. Human knowledge is doubling every 13 months, according to IBM. Now, in 2021, it is doubling every 12 hours, according to IBM. Data doubles every two years, just data. That was information from 2021, this year. Computer processing speed doubles every 18 months. That's called Moore's Law. The number of transistors that fit into a microprocessor reached 10 billion in 2017 or in 2021. That's just mind-blowing. But I, I believe this is the time of the end. The years we're living are the time of the end. Now, how close? I'm not going to give you. Don't, don't worry about how close. I know one thing, you're close. <laughs> you ought to be living like Jesus could come right now. You ought to be living like Jesus come this afternoon, Jesus coming. You, you better be right with God right now. Because I don't know when you're going to have that, that cerebral cortex stroke. I don't know when your heart's going to do sudden death syndrome. I don't know when you're going to get hit by a 95-year-old that shouldn't be driving. But I know one thing, you are going to die. Unless the rapture of the church comes. And you can hope for that, and I hope for that too. I love to miss that whole process thing called death. But I'm ready for it. Verse 10 is our text. Many shall be purified. Verse 10, I've skipped down to verse 10. Many shall be purified, made white, and tried. That's purified, number one. Made white, number two. Tried, number three. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. Are you surprised that, that wicked are doing what they're doing? Stop. Don't be surprised. The Bible said back here, and this is 2,500-year-old information I'm reading. 2,500 years ago. He said the wicked are going to keep doing wickedly. Don't be surprised when they want to, when boys want to dress like girls and girls want to dress like boys and, and there's bestiality and every other kind of wicked thing imaginable. Listen to me. There is no limit to their evil. There is no limit to their perversion. There is no limit to their extremity. Quit being surprised. And you shouldn't be. I told you back here the wicked are going to do wickedly. And it said, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. The wicked don't get it. They don't get what's going on. There is no global warming. There is none of that. We don't have to worry about any of that. God's got it all under control. You don't need to depopulate the planet so we can have food. God's got it all under control. Verse 13, but go thou thy way, telling Daniel, till the end be. 
for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Well, so I'm going to have a point of concentration here on verse 10 for a few minutes together here. God in a short verse reveals a mountain of information, I believe, concerning the big picture and the purposes he has for a born-again believer's life. And I'm speaking primarily today to, of course, born-again believers. Have you ever wondered in your life what God is doing? Now, everybody that's lived very long has got to raise their hand if I wanted you to, and I don't. You just got some things happening. Like in Marin's life, I always wondered why he made uh, Abiel. I always wondered why he made your wife sick, Jessica, and not you. You're the one that deserves to be sick, brother. <laughs> She's so sweet. I don't know why God does what he does. And Bill Jackson, same thing. I always wonder why, why, why Millie here, Millie's the sweetest of the two, and she's got all the sickness. What's that mean? Oh, you figure it out. But I mean, I don't know why God does this way he does. Uh, have you ever questioned the wisdom of an event? Nicole, Nicole uh, I know Nicole Shell, Nicole Aldridge real well, pretty well. And she, her wish in life, dream in life, dream in life to have children. Her just, she just loves children. She was our first grade teacher for seven years here at the gospel. Just loves kids, loves kids. I've talked to her at length about it. And so she has her first child, dies just, just a day or two, or maybe the day before birth. And, and just, just, uh, just, uh, some believe, just scratch your head and wonder what in the world. I can't figure that out. So in this verse, to some extent, shows us God's purpose for all of us and why some of these crazy or seemingly crazy things happen that life kind of just dishes out to us. So I'm going to show you the three things God is accomplishing in our lives, the born-again believers here. But let me pause for a second. This passage that we just read says there's only two kinds of people. There's wise and there's wicked. There's not five kinds of people. God don't care about color. He don't care red, red, yellow, black, or white. They're all precious in his sight. He don't care about Spanish or English or European or Chinese. Or he don't, he, He's made them all. All our blood runs red. But there are really two groups, the wise and the wicked. The question you need to know is which group am I in? Which group are you in? Are you wise or wicked? If you're wise, you've admitted you're a sinner, unable to save yourself by any amount of good works. You've been willing to turn from your sin, that's called repentance, and accept Jesus Christ just the way the Bible presents him. The son of the living God. And you've asked him to be your personal savior. You've confessed that Jesus Christ is your Savior publicly and believe that he was actually bodily, physically, visibly resurrected from the dead with your whole heart, not your head, your whole heart. You're one of the wise. Those that are, obviously those that have not done that are part of the wicked. And before you get mad at me, I'm going to explain that. He told, he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15, Thou hast from a child known the holy scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation. So if you want to be wise, the place to go to be wise is the Bible. 
All the rest of the folks are considered wicked by God. I'm going to tell you why. Number one, they call God liar. Jesus said, I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was the confession Peter made to him in chapter 16 of Matthew. And he said, hey, the Holy Spirit revealed that to you, Peter. The flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. You don't get that unless God tells you that's true. He sealed that from all the other people that said they were the Messiah. And a lot of them have... Uh, Jim Jones said he was a Messiah, and that guy in Texas said he was a Messiah. And all them people say, oh, I'm a Messiah. There was a guy recently, recently, there's a guy who said he was a Messiah. A Jewish guy says he's a Messiah. I believe he's alive now. All these other people say Messiah. They're liars. God revealed who the Messiah was when he resurrected Jesus Christ. When he broke the bands of death, he said only God could do that because God controls life and death. So when you say that's not true, and you say Jesus is, is just a normal guy or a prophet, you can even give him some respect and say he was a good guy, he was a prophet, he did went around doing good to all men. You can say all that. But if you deny that he is God's provision for salvation, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, if you deny that to be true by your either your actions or your verbiage or your heart, you could basically call God a liar. When you call God a liar, that's not good. What would you say that was? It's wicked because God is good. Because you also, if, you, if you're not wise and ignore the plan of salvation that God has made for us, you're, you ignore the witness of the firmament. If you believe in evolution, then you do not believe God. I'm not trying to be mean. But I, there, is, there is no wiggle room here. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth and repeats it all the way through the Bible, all the way here, there, and yon through the Bible, all the way down. He's the creator of everything or he's not the creator at all. He created everything or he's a liar. And so when you say evolution is the way it happened, not the way the Bible says, then you don't believe, you don't believe Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, and you don't believe John 3, 16 through 21 either. So you're not wise. You're not wise. And because you ignore the witness of the direct testimony of the Word of God. You're not only direct the firmament. Listen, all these things that are made are so complex, somebody had to make them. God created everything. And so I deny the fact of my conscience also. And I deny the fact of, I call him a liar. I deny the fact of the firmament. And I deny the fact of my own conscience telling me that I've done wrong. Listen, when a three-year-old is told not to take a cookie because they're cooling off, and they go up there and grab that cookie and go hide somewhere, why they go hide? They know they violated their conscience. A three-year-old's got a conscience. Not much, but they got a conscience. So let me go into the three areas where God wants to help us to grow in our wisdom. Your first step of wisdom is when you trusted Christ. You became part of the wise. It said there in verse 10, many shall be purified. The definition of purified, looked it up, it means to clarify. It means to examine, but mostly it means to make beautiful. Polish. It can be the word polish. My, my son's in the marble and granite polishing and re restoration. And um, it takes heat and friction to make marble look pretty and to make granite look pretty. Granite's harder yet. 
takes diamonds and a lot of heat and a lot of friction to make granite look the way when you see it in a store like that with a glass finish, you know, mirror finish. That took a lot of heat and friction. And brother, you're not going to be purified without a lot of heat and friction. 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 I mean, friction. You try to get up here and do this. Sometimes my mind, my mouth, they are disconnected. Nobody say amen, man. I'm glad nobody said not one person said amen, but you missed your chance. When you get saved, we're 99% rough. We're born from above, yes. I've been born, the Holy Spirit comes in me. Know you not, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why do they even have to ask the Corinthians that question? Because they were babies in Christ, just being saved out of a wickedness. Corinth was a horrible place. It was a, it was a uh, port town. It was a sailor's town. It was a wicked town. And when those people in, in Corinth got born from above, Man, they were 99.9 wicked and 1.1 saved. They had the Holy Spirit. It says, no, you're not. Your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom God made. He told them twice in chapter 3 and chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. Don't you know that you're part of God now? That's because we all start out rough, rough. And God starts this polishing process. How does he do it? Through trouble, friction, trouble. Trials, temptations, call them what you want. Things that don't work out the way you think they ought to work out. And maybe you got physical trials. Maybe you got spiritual trials. Maybe you got uh, uh, world trials, financial trials, uh, sociological trials. Uh, maybe you look in the mirror and that's a trial. <laughs> It can be hard to tell someone saved at the beginning. I mean, it's hard to tell when someone's saved at the beginning. They don't talk much different. They still cuss. They still are rough around the edges. Rough. When first people get first saved, you take an old sailor who cusses like a sailor, and sailors, for some reason, cuss and get tattoos, and I don't know why. But they, you get a sailor born from above, and I knew one. His name was Mo Wright. He, was a, he started Temple... Baptist Church in, in Stock Island, Florida, if I remember the church. And, and the old boy was a rough sailor. In fact, he got born again in jail for fistfighting, almost killing a guy. He got born in jail. You, you people do prison work. He didn't get saved much different than the rest of them that didn't make much. But brother with him, it stuck. And for 50 years, he pastored a church in Stock Island, of all places. Stock Island, right off Key West. And thousands of people through the years heard the gospel through that man's life. Brother, he was a rough talker even about before he died. God's polishing us. Polishing us. It's a process. Be a little forgiving. God begins polishing process in your life, which demands heat and friction. It's going to hurt some because God wants to clarify you. He wants to beautify you. The beauty of holiness. I bought a piece of granite. I went to a store that sold granite. And I've never had granite. I've always had Formica. And I went and I said to my wife, we're going to really spurge on our bathroom. 
uh, you know, because I knew it was a small top. And I said, we're going to really spurge. And it says, splurge. splurge. What did I say, spurge? I said, we're going to really splurge. And we're going we're gonna to go for a piece of granite. But we're not going. There's five, there's five levels of granite. There's one, two, three, four, five. Obviously, one's cheapo deluxo. And five's like, woo. So I went into the guy and said, I want number five. She looked me over. You don't look like you could afford number five. I said, you and I are going to get along because you're going to give me number one price for number five. She said, no, you're not. So anyway, we negotiated down through from there. But we got over there, and she showed me a wild, wild-looking piece. Of, I mean, just multiple colors and veins of different colors going different directions mixed with white and black, and it had gold flecks in it and had all kinds of silver. Man, it's just it was just... She said, this is the most exotic piece of granite I have ever seen. She said, I've been in the business for quite a while. I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. I want, a, I want a piece of that cut. But you know how much it took for me to get that granite to my house? It came from Italy, and they had to cut it over there, and it was rough, nasty looking. From there, they had to take it somewhere to a factory, and they had to pile it up, and they had to, somebody had to start polishing on that old thing. And they polished it and polished it and polished it with water and diamonds or whatever they used to do that machines. And they began to polish that thing and shape it and put it. By the time I got to look at it, it was still pretty big. It was a big old rough stone. And uh, she said, you get this section. She marked which section. I said, I want this section right here. She took a marker and marked it. And she said, this will be yours right here. And they took it in their store and they cut it. And they went through all oh, this massive. That's what God's doing in my life. And someday... I'm coming forth as gold. I'm going to be polished and beautiful because there's a lot in me that's not beautiful. But God wants to do that in your life. Give him some time. It takes time to polish. It takes long. You don't just happen overnight. What God's doing with you is a lifetime work. You got to trust him that he knows what he's doing. Bible says in Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify, that can mean beautify unto himself a, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We're like jewels, the Bible says. But we come out like any jewel, a raw, a raw jewel, a raw diamond is not worth much. And they're ugly. I mean, to be honest with you, I've seen raw diamonds and raw emeralds and raw of sapphires, and they're not worth anything. You wouldn't pay much for them, but when somebody, when, when it's put into the hand of the right person, and he takes that old, I like rubies, pigeon blood ruby. And he takes that old pigeon blood ruby, and he makes that fine, and he shapes it and puts fa facets on it, I think, and or whatever they do to a ruby, and or they do that to a diamond, 52 facets, I think, in a diamond cut so that it reflects the light a certain way. They take that thing, and most of you women in this room that are married have one on your finger. A clear piece of glass. Oh, I mean diamond. Carbon. God's making us diamonds. He's making us pure of life. He says in Malachi the last book of the Old Testament in our Bible, 
Chapter 3, verse 17 says, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. So God's beautifying you through friction, through trials, through trouble. Secondly, God wants to make us white. The Bible says that we're stained by sin. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. White's the color of purity in the Bible, the representation of it in the Bible. He appears, Jesus appears to his disciples in Matthew chapter 17, Mount of Transfiguration, is white. It says he was transfigured before them. His face is shine as the sun, and his remnant was white as the light. There was an angel that appears in Matthew chapter 28, verse 3, and his countenance was like lightning, and his remnant, that's clothing, was white as the snow. Now, for some of you people born and raised in Florida, you have no idea what that is. But it looks like Pensacola sand. That's what white looks like. You ever been to Pensacola? Whitest beach in the world? Symbolically, throughout the entire Bible, white represents sinlessness, purity, which God's goal for each one of, our, each one of the believers. Romans 6.19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members service unto uncleanness into iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members service of righteousness unto holiness. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Having therefore these precious, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. He wants to purify us and make us white. Thirdly, God, the third goal has God, that God has for you is to try you. Trials are not a happy time. They're not happy. I'm glad God's doing it, but I'm not happy. Because at the time, it's tough. You're crying out. I'm thinking of Joseph. It says in Psalm 105, 17, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters, and he was laid in iron until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him for 13. Long years, God tried that boy. What was he doing? Preparing him to be the ruler of the strongest nation in the world. And you aren't going to get out of it much easier than he got out of it. The bigger, the higher God wants to use you as far as influence, possibly the more trials you'll go through. I've heard young preacher boys say, oh, I'd love to be like C.A. Spurgeon. Read his book. Read the book we got back there in the library, and you may change your mind on wanting to be like C.H. Spurgeon. Man, that man was tried from day one to day, the last day of his life. He died at 58 years old of gout. Where's my brother? Where's my fire brother? He died of gout. Gout will kill you if it's allowed to go untouched. They didn't know what to do for it. I've had gout, and I'll tell you, I can't imagine I wanted to die. I've had gout where I begged God, take me now, take me now. You notice I did not ask my wife that. <laughs> I asked God to take me, figuring he probably wouldn't, but if I'd ask her, I'd be like, here she comes with a shotgun. 
you guys are a little bit too serious. Huh? It is serious business what we're talking about. James in the New Testament says, James 1.12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. This is the trials part. For when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord promised them that love him. He tried Abraham. He told Abraham, I gave you your, uh, one boy, take him and sacrifice him to me on Mount Moriah. What? Abraham went and did it, collected the sticks, put tied up the boy, put him on the sticks, raised the knife to cut his throat. And God said, stop. Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Troy don't know this, but when Troy was born, I, I knew I was only going to have one child, and and uh, I held him up as a little baby, and many times through the years, I held him up. Well, at least just a after a while, I couldn't hold him up, you know what I mean? But when he was a little small child, I used to go on and say, God, I give him to you. He's yours. He's yours. I want to be like Abraham. I want to give, I want to, I want to be like, I want to be of the faith of Abraham. He tried Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah 28, 16, speaking of Christ that was to come, therefore saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth him shall not make haste. The church is Smyrna in Revelation 2, 10. It says, fear none of those things that thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried. You shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. I'll give you a crown of life. Beloved, we are to be wise and understanding what the will of the Lord is. That he is purifying us and making us beautiful. That he's making you white as the light. That he's trying you. As Daniel chapter 12, verse 10 said, many shall be purified and made white and tried. I believe you can submit to the will of God this morning. Maybe God's even this morning trying some of you here. Something has happened in your life unexpectedly, out of the, out of the blue. It's knocked you down. Did you ever have anything knock you down? My uncle had a defibrillator, Doc. My uncle had a defibrillator. And uh, that's a beautiful thing, unless you have it go off. He had, my, my uncle had what they call sudden heart. Uh, his heart was, sudden death syndrome. His heart would just stop, and he dropped. What first saved him, he was a big old boy, and when his heart stopped, he dropped and hit the floor, so hard to start his heart back up. I mean, that's what they said. After that, they took him to the hospital and put a defibrillator in him. Defibrillator is like having a car battery in you. And touching the two ends, crossing them over with a wire. He was in the, he was in the uh, shower. And he got in the shower, turned it on, got in there, got the water warmed up in the shower, stood in the shower, and all of a sudden he said, a, a mule with both feet kicked him. He said, I went down to my knees like I got punched by Muhammad Ali's defibrillator went off. How many people have a defibrillator in here? No, don't raise your hand. You'll be, you'll be breaking HEPA. And don't ask me if I've had COVID because I ain't going to tell you or if I've been vaccinated because I ain't going to tell you because that breaks HEPA too. 
But if God's going to bring something in your life sometime, it's going to knock you to your knees. I told my uncle, aren't you afraid of that defibrillator? He said, afraid of it. It saved my life. It went off three times before he finally died. It went off three times through the years. Three times. Unexpectedly, out of nowhere, boom, God's going to come. Why? Don't. Now, maybe after this morning, if you didn't know this before, you know it now. God's come to purify you, to make you beautiful, to clarify you. He's come to make you white. He's come to try you so that someday you come forth as gold. That's what God wants to do. Lord, you ought to pray this. Lord, I want to be purified and made white and tried. Help me simply to trust you through it all. What can we do? Submit to God in faith. That's what you can do. You say, can you do? Everybody can do that. That's not real complicated. That's just submitting. Now, you get bitter at God like I've seen so many people when trials come. Here, God's trying to do you the best favor you've ever had done to you. Now, I know that that sounds, that sounds insane if you tell Nicole Shell that this morning. But taking that baby was God's will. And that was something that she needed to have done or he wouldn't have done it because he's God. And he knows the best for us. And if your baby comes out deformed, as my, my niece's baby came out with uh, came out with uh, oh man. Down, not down syndrome. What's the other thing? I'm in bad shape, you know. Autism. Maybe I got it. I don't know. Autism. And that's changed her whole life. And that autistic child will very likely outlive her. She don't get to go out to eat like you do. She don't get to make quick plans like, like you and I do. Things have changed. But I said to her, God's doing it. She said, Bill, I just one day had to embrace it. And I preached that whole sermon about that. Embrace. She just embraced the trial. and said, this is my life. Rather than fight it, she said, God, it's mine. I take it. Thank you for it. That's a tough time when you finally get around to saying, thank you, God, for it. And God goes, Ooh, you're looking good. You're getting up to number five. Father, help us this morning to get it and to cooperate with you when it's happening. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.